Chapter 10 of The Robot Boys on the Ocean This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Siddharth. The Robot Boys on the Ocean by Edward Strait Mayer Chapter 10 For an instant, there was a dead silence in the banker's offices. Charles Stosh looked blankly at his bookkeeper. I believe Fredericks is right, said Mr. Wilder the first to break the awkward pause. I remember the fellow very well. I thought at the time that he was watching Mr. Rush rather closely. You had no business to bring in a man that he was not to be trusted, growled Charles Rush, turning to the janitor. You think he stole the stuff? ejaculated Sundberg. Sure. Mooney wasn't smart enough for such a game. Perhaps not, but he got others to help him said Dick. He got Buddy Kirk and Arnold Baxter. I feel positive of it. The whole thing fits together pretty well, said the detective. If only we can lay hands on those men. If only we can lay hands on these men, the boy mentions, we'll be all right. A long conversation followed, and then Dick and others went to the police station. The room at Yates' tenement were thoroughly searched once more, and a watch was set for Kirk and Arnold Baxter. But the rascals had flown, and watch proved useless. In the meantime, two detectives tried to trace what had become of Mooney, but this work also amounted to nothing, and it may be as well to add here that Mooney was never heard of again, having sailed for South America. Upon an accounting it was learned that Rush and Wilder were by no means in a good financial condition and that Senator Harrington would lose a good sum of money should they fail. I'd give a thousand dollars to collar those thieves, said the senator dismally. If Arnold Baxter and Gick got the money, they'll live in high clover for a while, remarked Dick. When the excitement was over, they had returned to Frank's home. My, what a villain that Baxter is proving to be. No wonder Dan was bad. It must run in the blood. The robbery kept the boys in Albany several days, and this being so, it was decided to abandon the trip on the river to New York. I'll send the spray down by somebody, said Dick. And then we can take a train from here, direct to Oakland. And so it was arranged. The trip to Oakland proved to be uneventful, and at the railroad station they were met by Jack Ness, the rover's hide man, who had driven over with the carryall to take them home. Glad to see you, all looking so well, grinned the hide man. Getting fat as butter, Master Tom. Thanks, Jack. I'm feeling fine. Any news? No, sir. None except in that your uncle has had a row with Joel Fox, who has the farm next to ours. What was the row about? questioned Dick. All about some fruit, sir. We had a tree hanging over Fox's fence, finest pear tree on the place. That was Fox strips the tree at night, sir. Saw him with my own eyes. Oh, what cheek! burst out Sam. What did uncle do? Tried to talk to him and Fox told him to mind his own business, that he could have 
what fruit hung over his fence, so he could, but not half of it hung that way, and he took every blessed pear. Fox always was a mean man, murmured Tom. I'd like to square accounts with him before I go back to Putnam Hall. I reckon as how you might be up to something like that, said Ness, with another grin. But you want to be careful. Only yesterday, Fogg shot off his gun at some boys who were at his apples. Did he hit the boys? I don't think he did. Who were they? I don't know. And I reckon he don't either. Hmm. Tom mused for a moment. I like to scare the mean fellow by making him think one of the boys was killed. That's an idea, cried Sam and winked at his brother. Let's do it. They were soon bowling over Swift River and along the road leading to the Valley Brook Farm at the farmhouse. Their uncle Randolph and Aunt Martha stood in the dockyard to greet them. Back again? Safe and sound? cried Randolph Rover. I suppose you feel like regular sailors. Well, we do feel a little that way, laughed Sam, and returned the warm kiss his aunt bestowed upon him. It's nice to be home once more. Would you rather stay here than go back to Putnam Hall? asked his auntie quickly. Oh no, I can't stay there, Aunt Martha, but it's awfully nice here nevertheless. The hot supper was awaiting them, and while they ate, they told of all that had happened since they had been away. Randolph Rover shuddered over the way Dick had been treated. Be careful, my boy, he said. Remember, even your father could not bring this Randolph Baxter to justice. He is evidently a thorough-paced scoundrel, and his companion is probably just as bad. And how goes the scientific farming, Uncle Randolph? asked Tom, who knew how to touch his uncle in the right spot. Splendidly, my boy, splendidly. I'm now working on a new rotation of crops. It will, I'm certain, prove a revelation to the entire agriculture world. Did you make much money this season? asked Sam dryly. Well, uh, no. In fact, we ran a little behind. But we will do finally next year. I'm certain of it. I will have some strawberries and celery, which shall astonish our state agriculture committee, answered Randolph Rover. He was always enthusiastic, in spite of almost constant failure. Thus far his hobby had netted him a loss of several thousand dollars. It was Friday, and Saturday was to be given over to packing up for school. Yet on Saturday morning, Tom managed to call Sam aside. We'll go over to Fox's said he. Are you ready? I am Tom, answered the younger brother, and be sure and pile it on. Trust me for that, and Tom winked that set Sam to roaring. They found Joel Fox at work along the roadside, bending a part of the stone wall which had tumbled down. Fox was a Yankee, and miserly and sore to the very core. Well, what do you want? he demanded, as the boys came to halt in front of him. Why, Mr. Fox, I thought you had skipped out, cried Tom in pretended surprise. Skipped out? Yes. Why should I skip out, boy? On account of Harry Smith. Harry Smith? 
Who is he? Harry Smith of Oakran, the boy who was shot the other day. Did you hear he was dead? At these words, Joel Fox dropped the tools he was using and turned pale. Is, uh, is the boy, uh, he couldn't finish. It was a wicked thing to do, put in Sam. Any man that would shoot a boy ought to be lynched. Perhaps a crowd of men were coming up here, went on Tom. Didn't they have a rope with them? To be sure they had a rope, Tom, and one of them said something about hanging. What crowd are you talking about, stammered Joel Fox, growing paler and paler. The crowd at the depot. Did you shoot him, Mr. Fox? I can't hardly believe it true, although I know you were mean enough to take my uncle's peers. I, uh, the peers are on my property, uh, I didn't shoot at any boy, uh, I shot at some crows in my cornfield, stammered Joel Fox. Did you say a crowd of men were coming here with a rope? You'll see fast enough, you bad man, cried Tom and ran off, followed by Sam. In vain, Fox tried to call them back. The boys went as far as a turn in the road, then hid behind some bushes. Soon they saw Fox pick up his tools and make for his barn. Then he came out and hurried for his house. I guess he's pretty well rattled, laughed Tom. Won't he be mad when he learns how he has been fooled? They waited for a while, but Fox did not reappear. They hurried back home by another road, that the man might not see them. Tom was right when he said that the miserly old farmer was rattled, as it is commonly called. All day long, the coward remained in the house, as nervous as a cat, and afraid of the crowd of men would appear at any minute to lynch him. His wife did not know what to make of such actions and finally demanded an explanation, and when it was not forthcoming, threatened him with the broom. She said, which she had used as a weapon, of offence several times previously. They, they, they say he's dead, finally burst out Joel. They're going to lynch me for it. Hide me, Mandy, hide me. Who's dead? Joel Fox. The boy I shot at fear stealing them apples. Oh, they'll lynch me. I feel it in my bones, groaned the old man. Who was it? Harry Smith of Oakran. And he's dead? So they say, but I didn't calculate I hit him at all, whined Joel. No more you did, for I saw him run away, and he went clear out sight up the road. Who told you this? demanded Mrs. Fox. Those rover boys, Tom and Sam. Those young imps, Joel, they're fooling you. Do you really think so, Mandy? asked the man hopefully. I do. If I was you, I'd go over to Oakland and find out. No, no, if, if it's true, they'll lynch me. I know they will. Then I'll go over. I know Mrs. Smith. If he's dead, there'll be cop on the door and I won't go in, concluded Mrs. Fox. And getting out a horse and buckboard, she drove over to Oakland and to the Smith's place. She found no cop on the door. Harry Smith sat on the porch his arm in a sling, chuckling up courage. She drew green, dismounted and walked up to the boy, who was one of the Rover brothers' friends. How is your arm, Harry? she asked. She began softly. 
pretty fair,' answered the boy politely. "'What are you coming, Mr. Fox?' "'Well, I guess not, Harry. I'm sorry for this. "'So I'm sorry, Mrs. Fox. "'I didn't think you would do it. "'Why didn't you come up to the house and ask for them apples?' "'The boy looked puzzled, for the simple reason that he was puzzled. "'I don't understand you. What apples?' "'The ones you tried to steal.' "'I didn't try to steal any apples, Mrs. Fox.' What makes you think that? Didn't you try to get in our orchard when Joel fired on you? cried Mrs. Fox. Why, I haven't been anywhere near your orchard. So, Mrs. Fox looked bewildered. Then, then how did you get hurt? she faltered. My Mr. Vicks and I were cleaning out old Pa's shotgun, and when it went off accidentally, and I got a couple of the shot in my forearm, answered Harry Smith promptly. The answer took away Mrs. Fox's breath. Drat them boys, I knowed it, she muttered and drove away without another word. Harry Smith was much puzzled, but letters which soon passed between him and Tom cleared up the mystery. But the boys never heard of how Joel Fox fared when his wife got home. The lady arrived as mad as a holiday, to use a popular saying. You were the worst old fool ever, Joel Fox, were her first words, and a bitter quarrel followed that ended only when the man was driven out of the house with the ever-trustworthy broom. Joel Fox wanted to go over to the royal farm to have it out with Tom and Sam, but somehow he could not pluck up the courage to make the move. Back to Putnam Hall at last. End of chapter 10